0: Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Take your Bible this morning and join me in the book of Psalms, chapter 95. Psalms 95. If you go to your Bible about halfway, you're going to find it. And I want everybody to grab a copy. We're going to do something a little different here at the beginning, and we're going to read Psalm 95 out loud together. I believe we have it on the screen. You can read it from your copy of the Word of God. If you're here today and you're wondering uh, what translation I preach from, it's always a a New King James version, just by choice. And uh, so that's what we have there on the screen. So here's what I want us to do. You know, as we worship the Lord, uh, in the Old Testament, they would stand when they read the word of God. So I want us to stand back up. Okay, there ain't nobody getting stiff in this place this morning, amen? And I want us to lift our voice together. I want to hear you. I'm going to read it with you. Uh, I'm going to turn my microphone off. Uh, But I want to hear you read with me Psalm 95. And those that are watching online, I want them to do the same with us, okay? Are you ready? If you are, say amen. Here we go. Oh come... Father, we thank you today for your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would use it one more time this morning. Speak to us, God, help us to hear. Give us ears to listen and open hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. There's nothing like being your pastor, preaching a message, and have the understanding in my heart that someone has made a decision during the week. And their plans are to come forward at the end of the service. There is nothing like that. There's expectation in my heart. I look forward to the invitation. Uh, I look forward to movement. Now sometimes folks have uh, every uh, intention of doing that and they, and they don't follow through. Uh, and you're not gonna hear me from the pulpit say, hey, Ken, I thought you made a decision you're gonna come forward. That's not, that's not, that's pressure. But what an invitation is, is an opportunity to respond in obedience. And some of you say, well, Brother Greg, I feel pressure all the time. I wanna wanna ensure you and assure you that the pressure that you're feeling in your spirit is not from the preacher, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, God loves you so much that he speaks to us in a way that we can understand and that we can even respond to. There's nothing quite like seeing decisions. And I'm here to tell you this morning that in this service today, everyone is going to make a decision. You'll say, Oh, Brother Greg, since you told me that, I am not. I believe you're gonna find out from Psalm 95 that we make a decision every time we come to church. And we're going to see that as we look at this area of worship. Worship. Now, Psalm 95 through 100 are very similar. They're kind of woven together. And if you look at the themes of those chapters, for instance, 96 talks about all the nations are exhorted to join. 97, uh, that Jehovah reigns over all and the idols of the small gods, little g, are deserted. 98, there's mercy toward Israel. Psalm 99, Jehovah is seated between the cherubim and the church reigns. And then that familiar little Psalm 100, all the world is called upon to praise Jehovah God, the creator of everything. Everything but well, what about Psalm 95? Psalm 95 is simply, listen to me, a call to worship. It's a call to worship. Now, there are many different kinds of calls to worship. For instance, we, uh, we read Scripture together out loud. Uh, in days gone by, maybe we've done something like uh, responsive readings. You know what that is? That's where I read a part and. Then you, in turn, read a part out loud, or, or you read the bold, I read the, the fine print, that kind of thing. Sometimes music is the call to worship. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the music beginning is a reminder that, that, that we're coming. Um, the other day at uh, the graveside of Lori's dad, who was a veteran, and we thank him for his service to our country, uh, Lori and Dan's daughter, Morgan, is active duty Air Force in Spokane, Washington, and she was here for the service, and when they found out, Lori, forgive me if this is not exactly how it transpired, but when they found out that the the Honor Guard from the Army was going to be here, the the United States Army was going to be here along with Preble County, uh, Morgan has had the Honor Guard training, has served in that area in the Air Force, and they overnighted her uniform. And she stood there and folded the flag of her grandfather. Boy, it was it was just a moving tribute. But here here's what I wanted to tell you. They also played taps live. And they played it the corps, the, the the army played it. And then Tad Stewart was kind of hidden down the hill, and he played it like uh Marsha, uh, an echo. It was beautiful. You know what reveille is with a trumpet? Reveille for me growing up wasn't a trumpet. It was my dad, Fred Jackson, saying, hey, Sunday school in a little bit, let's go, rise and shine. There was expectation in our house about church. Uh, there was some expect. I hope you didn't come uh, kicking and screaming. Loretta, it's good to see you back there, Amen. Good to have Loretta back with us today. Jay in Wrightfield, field, good to have you back with us. I hope you didn't come to church today kicking and screaming. I hope that you came uh, anticipating God doing something. And we see the call to worship laid out for us in Psalm 95. Now, when you look at the first few verses... I love what I believe they represent. For instance, look at verse one. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Okay, repeat that with me. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. You might be here today and you say, Brother Greg, I just don't quite feel like worshiping. I just don't quite feel like singing. I don't quite feel like fellowshipping today. I want to tell you the problem with the statements I just made is how they began. Worship is not about me, it's about who He is. And when you think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, listen to me, maybe you are a little winded today spiritually. Maybe you are tired. Maybe you have lost a little bit of the joy that you once had in the Lord, or you're looking back at life and saying, you know, there was a time when I was more excited and more happy and there seemed to be more joy in my life. Well, we are reminded when you think about worship, this call to worship, that we are first to come, he says, let us sing to the Lord. Now, I hear it all the time, oh, I just can't sing very well. Well, I bet you, I bet you, uh, I better be careful who I use here. I bet you sing the Beatles pretty good. I was going to say some of my favorites, like Barry Manilow and, and some others. There's something about joy and there's something about lifting our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when we come together to sing. Listen to me, folks. I do not sing because I think I'm a good singer. I sing because I have a song. There are plenty of good singers in our church. You all carry the load. Go for it. Amen. But according to the psalmist, he doesn't say, oh, those of us who think we can sing, sing to the Lord. Those of us who have good voices, sing to the Lord. Those of us who've been in choir for a long time, sing to the Lord. Those of you that read music, sing to the Lord. Let me tell you something. He says, oh, come, let us. He talks about a multitude of coming together. Let us sing to the Lord. And if you're following your outline, here's the first thing. That's called corporate worship. Corporate worship. So being gathered together right now is corporate worship. And we have the privilege to lift our voices together in one accord for the glory of God. Amen? Richard Smallwood wrote these words. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total praise to you. That's a song. It's a familiar song we sing. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Worship, according to the psalmist, is all in. All in. We, uh, we, we were, seemed like we drove to Dayton five times yesterday. I was in Eaton again, and lo and behold, there's that farmer's produce stand. Every time I go by that, I say this to Renee. Boy, I bet those watermelons are good. And that's the end of the conversation. That's the kind of conversation that my dad has with people. Just talk about, you know what I mean? Just, boy, that looks good. Look at those flowers. Look at. And every time, Renee says, I wonder how much they are. And that's the end of the conversation. It seems to me that if I really wanted, it, I would pull the car over. And at least walk up and, and look at it, right? And as my dad would do, thump it a couple times. What, what that means, I have no clue. And, and uh, at least I would make an attempt to get what I'm talking about. If you're with me so far and you have followed the watermelon illustration, say amen. Listen to me, folks. Worship is a target. Worship is, is active. Worship is coming together today knowing what we're created for and that is to glorify the one who has created us King Jesus. What are you saying, Brother Greg? The target is King Jesus. That's who we're here to worship. I'm not here to preach your favorite sermon every Sunday and we're not here to sing your favorite songs every Sunday in the style that you like. Worship is about Jesus and and there are some things that I've had to grow into, maybe you have too in life, and that, things you didn't like when you were young, but now you do. Can any of you think, think you know, I, I grew into that. For instance, and you would never, never guess this one in a hundred years. Growing up, I did not like mashed potatoes. My mom will tell you. Now I can't get enough of potatoes. If it doesn't have a potato on the meal, it's like, okay, where's the food? Like, what are we going to do here? Are you guys with me? You remember when your country parents prepared a dish and there was no meat on the table? Like during uh, harvest season, corn, uh, fresh corn and all these vegetables. Anybody with me on this one? And I, and I, had, I, had, I had the boldness to ask, Mom, Mom, where's, where's the meat? And then she gave me the lesson on being raised in the South. And this is, oh, this is good stuff. This will be good for you. Make you a better preacher. Eat all you can. Okay? Listen to me. The target is Jesus. So when you think about worship and you think about corporate worship, if we leave and you're talking more about Christ and what Jesus is doing in the lives of people, you've hit the target. If we leave and, and we some talk, somehow talk more about me or the music or something else, we're not hitting the target. Several years ago, I bought a pistol, a handgun. And we were target practicing, and I, I never once hit the target. I mean, I mean, I wasn't missing the bullseye. I was missing the whole target. And I asked the fellow who I bought it from. I said, man alive, I can't hit anything. He said, well, I failed my CCW three or four times with that gun. I could never hit anything either. One person said, if you fire at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I'm afraid that sometimes we come into church and we're not focusing on the right thing. Now, I'm not blaming us. I'm blaming the devil who would rather get us off track, look at each other, and and, and begin to think, Boy, what's wrong or what's happened or, or, or what's going on or what's up with them or, or who's mad at who? That, listen, that's, that stuff is all of the devil to distract what God wants to do in the life of his people, in the life of his church. So when we come together, it's corporate worship. Now, I, some folks say this to me from time to time. Maybe on a Wednesday night when we're way down and somebody says, well, we're two or three gathered, Brother Greg. There I am in the midst. And I want to say thank you for the service. Thank you for the message but why should we ever apologize for worshiping King Jesus? Meaning that we can miss the mark if we're packed, and we can miss the mark when there's just a few of us. We have to decide. So he says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. And I, and I know how it works. I'm not singing that new song. I don't even like it. I'm not, I'm not singing those old, those old hymns young people might want to say. No, listen, you're you're revealing far more about yourself than you are these songs. What you're saying is, King Jesus is not worthy to be praised through that song. That's what you're saying. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen? Let everything that has breath. So we come together. It's a call of multitude. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us sing to the Lord Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And the rock of our salvation is none other than King Jesus himself. And the good news is today that we have a reason to come together. That is to glorify and praise him. And we have a purpose when we get together. The psalmist says in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Now, you might be here today, and you didn't want to come to church, and your spouse or your mom or dad said, yes, you are, and they made you come, and they made you get here. You ought to praise God. One day, you will. You'll thank the Lord for a parent that made you come to church. Don't you stand around and negotiate with your teenagers and your, your little ones. You get them ready. They mark, Listen, listen. as Fred used to say to me, hey, uh, I forgot, who, who, whose house is this? Who's the parent?" Folks, there's nothing wrong with leading. You know what they find out a lot of times from rebellious kids in school? A lot of times, Cody, it's give me some boundaries. Somebody show me that they care instead of letting me try to figure out life as an elementary or junior high kid. You see, worship today is corporate. Come, let us And if we're not willing to worship the Lord corporately on earth, listen, heaven is going to be very, very uncomfortable. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Many would believe the 24 elders represent the church. And they cast their crowns before the throne. So when we come together in corporate worship, there are some characteristics that make themselves known. For instance, there's unity. Amen? There's unity. We have the privilege, the Bible says, to use our voice. It's a privilege to worship the Lord with a song. It means that we're singing in the same direction. Now, uh, back in the day, do you remember when we really went cutting edge as a church? I don't know how many years ago it was. But we began to use a transparency. Overhead projector. Do you all remember that? I went home, and I thought, we have gone modern worship. And if you remember, Denise Wilson. <laughs> uh, Denise Wilson was like Vanna White. She'd put one on, take it, put one on, take it. And, and it was simple. And then we, we evolved to the, the laptop. And then we began to hear things like this. If you're not singing off a screen, you don't love Jesus, give me a break. Give me a break. If the power went out right now, we could still worship the Lord. We could still worship the Lord. Why? It's not about a screen. That's a style. This is a style. There's nothing wrong with singing out of the hymnal and never looking at a screen. Folks, listen to me. That's a style. But when it comes to Jesus, that doesn't go out of style. Uh, Growing up, Renee went to a country church. It was Southern Baptist, but it was more, Pearl, like free will. What do you mean, Brother Greg? A lot of emotion. Some of you were raised with preaching like this. Jimmy Griggs would take a passage, and he'd say, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And then he would just fly as hard as he could for 20 minutes and then say, Oh, come. He'd land. That's the kind of preaching Renee grew up with. Uh, the, The kind of preaching we've had in this church, probably more than the kind that I grew up with. Who's wrong and who's right? Well, if a small church, if their focus isn't on the Lord, they've missed it. If a big church, no matter how good things go, The focus is not on the Lord, you've missed it. Jesus said to the woman at the well, it's not about worshiping on your mountain, those from Samaria or in Jerusalem for the Jew. It's about a heart. It's the heart. And those that worship me in spirit and truth, that's where I want you to be. Corporate worship brings unity because we're focused on the correct target. Now, don't, don't say when he talks about singing, well, this is just old me, Brother Greg, and I can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. If you choose not to, you're living beneath the privilege that God has given you as a child of God. Now, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's that beginning, of the week of passion, the cross is before him. And if you recall, uh, they didn't like the fact that he was being worshiped and praised. And they said, Jesus, quiet your disciples down. Do you remember what he said? If they don't do it, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out in praise. Real worship is when we come together and the focus is on Jesus. Ann Ortland wrote this about worship. She said, Christians can be grouped into two categories. Marbles and grapes. Marbles are single units that don't really affect each other unless there's a collision. Grapes, on the other hand, mingled juices. Each one is part of the fragrance of the church body. She goes on to say that the early Christian didn't bounce around like loose marbles, ricocheting in all directions. Picture them as a cluster of ripe grapes squeezed together by persecution, bleeding and mingling into one another. Fellowship and worship, then, is genuine Christianity freely shared among God's family members. She says, it's sad to think of how many Christians today are missing that kind of closeness. Sermons and songs, while uplifting and necessary, provide only part of a vital church encounter. We need involvement with others. If we roll in and out of church each week without acquiring a few grape juice stains... We haven't really tasted the sweet wine of fellowship. Oh, I like that. Let me tell you what we need in church. Okay, get your pen out right here. You ready? We need grace. Not only to get it, I need to give it. Don't you? You know who has, uh, who really kind of tells me like it is? And, not, and I don't really appreciate it all the time because she's probably right. Stacy, our daughter. Like if I'm not loving Renee the way I should love Renee, Stacy's the one that says something, Dad. And, and what do I do in defense? Yes. See, I already know, right? I already know, Guilty. Folks, we need grace when it comes to our relationship with each other. It's not just somebody overlooking your fault, it's you not necessarily having to make a big deal out of somebody else's mistake. Right? Love covers a lot of tracks. Grace might be just what somebody needs. It might be what you need today. Maybe maybe you're living in an environment where or maybe you work at a job where everything you do wrong is reported but very seldom is something acknowledged when it's done right. Be encouragers. So the first thing about worship, it is corporate. Secondly, you miss the mark if worship is not personal. What do you mean, Brother Greg? I told you that everyone in here is going to make a decision today. Worship is a decision you make. You're the only one that can worship for yourself. I can't do it for you. Your neighbor can't do it for you. It's a decision you make to take an active role in recognizing the place of Jesus in your life. Worship brings joy. It renews your spirit, one writer said, as sleep renews your body. It will affect everything about your life. Worship, when it is personal, will affect your conversation. It will affect your response. Write down a few words when you think about worship here's here's the first one personal worship expectation expectation you've heard this said before what if you woke up this morning and all you had was what you thank God for yesterday think about this if I woke up this morning and all I had was what I thank God for yesterday I would probably say for some of you sitting here you would not be saved this morning because you didn't thank God for saving you yesterday Some of you wouldn't have a family because you didn't thank God for them yesterday. Expectation is when you come to the house of God, and I I think there's some things people deserve when they come here, do do you? I think people deserve a message from the Bible, amen, the word of God. I I think people deserve worship done with excellence, amen? Amen. I was thinking in the first service this morning, boy, how blessed have I been to pastor a church that's had good music the whole time I've been here. A lot of churches can't find a piano player. Thank God for his provision, amen? Thank God for his provision. I believe uh, they should expect a a warm welcome. Okay, let me tell you what not to do. Uh, Don and Bo, I think they were greeters this morning. I saw them out there. So that led them to be a little late getting into their seat. And when they came in there, lo and behold, somebody was sitting in their seat. Let me tell you what not to do. Not to, I didn't see you do this today. Um, that's our seat. Let me tell you what we decided to do when, we built, when God built this building for us. There ain't nobody's name on any pew in this building. So quit acting like you own something. Getting a little quiet up here on stage. A little quiet up here. You all know what I'm talking about. And that's not an an issue. I don't think it is. If you're here and you're a guest and somebody acted like that, forgive us. Because that's just nothing more than the devil. Corporate worship leads to personal worship. When you personally worship King Jesus, listen to me. You're singing the song. You're looking the same direction. You're just glad somebody's here. Let me tell you what we're not going to get bent out of shape over. Back in the day, I would have a guy come to church, got a hat on. Okay, back in the day, I'd, I'd, I'd make him mad enough not to come back. Should we not be glad somebody's in church? We'll work on the hat thing later. Are you with me? My goodness, folks, listen, life is too short. I don't know about you, life is too short. We're at the point now in ministry uh, (laughs) when we ask for help, like to move some pews, uh, we thank the Lord for the young guys who are doing the lifting. I'm plenty happy to step back and act like I want to tell them how to do it. Because you recognize they're in a season of life where now they can lift some of the load. When it comes to personal worship, nobody can lift the load for you. And I want to tell you, regardless of your age this morning, you can choose to worship the Lord. Don't let somebody, somebody else steal your joy. Be expectant when you get up and come to the house of God. Years ago, I did a revival in uh, Cincinnati. Started at seven o'clock, Sunday through Wednesday. Every service I got there at 6.30, every service the pastor pulled in at 5 till 7. Man, after like night three, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, are you serious? Is this what you're expecting? There was no expectancy of revival. It's almost like we're just going through the motions because they always planned a revival. Oh, I want to come knowing that God is up to something because when there's expectation, there's adoration, amen? And worship is about participation. Nobody can make you do it. You choose it. Now, we know the Bible says one day, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But God gives us this thing called life to make that decision now. Uh, number three, worship should lead to enthusiasm. enthusiasm it's not we've got to go to church tomorrow and I, oh and and it's it's kind of knocking me out of the early game and the tournament and oh i have got to do this and oh no folks we live this what we're talking about right here you've got to chew you're excited about the things that are important to you you go home and just grill me as your pastor every, every Sunday, you're going to raise kids that are critical of the church. You go home and, and, and are critical about the, about the things of the church, don't expect your kids to not pick up on that, amen? Worship should lead to enthusiasm. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, there are some things that are easily identifiable that will draw you away from true worship. Let us do it with enthusiasm. When you look at Psalm 100, uh, we get the picture, he is worthy, we desperately need him. So when you join corporate worship, and when you join personal worship that leads to enthusiasm, there's some things that will take place. There'll be happiness in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about things being easy. I'm talking about peace and purpose that only God gives. So why is it that we come together and people... Act like, well, I don't feel like it really, Greg. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praying. If you look at this passage, when you look at two places, look at verse one again. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Look at verse six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Does, does those words sound familiar? We just sang them. All we did was sing scripture. He said, There's something about singing and there's something about praying when we come together to worship. It's not about feeling. Number four, it's about a king. Maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Greg, I'd give my life to Christ, but I just don't feel it. Let me tell you something. The Word of God says that we need Jesus, the Word of God says we're sinners separated from God. I don't have to have a feeling. There's the truth. I need to respond. So worship isn't about a fuzzy feeling. I didn 't get, I, I get that warm, fuzzy feeling from those on stage uh, singing. i didn't listen, worship is a, a decision you make. and it's about King Jesus, not about my preference or, or what I want. And when you think about Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the Pharisees telling him to tell his disciples to be quiet. Jesus responds, if if they're quiet, I'm telling you, the stones will immediately cry out. A little later, in verse 41, the Bible says, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. He wasn't weeping about the cross in front of him. He, He was weeping over lack of belief. And those that did not know him. I wonder if the Lord would ever say to you or me, you're not even thinking about who you're worshiping this morning. Our mighty rock, King Jesus, is unchanging and he abides with us. The Bible says he's a living God, and we are to what? Be grateful. Verse 6, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. John chapter 10 talks about the good shepherd. And here's the good news today. The good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. Verse 7 Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as those in the rebellion. Do you know that for 40 years in the wilderness, when the spies came back with the report, do you realize that Joshua and Caleb were the only two of their generation to make it to the promised land? Of the the men, of those that, that were at battle, those that were taking the promised land? Why? Because of unbelief. You see, they had expectation. God would provide. He said he'd give it to us. Let's go and take it. And there were 10 that said, oh, no, we're we're grasshoppers. We'll get get destroyed. God saw their faith, he saw their worship, and he moved in power. He's unchanging. Uh, One writer said, perhaps the nations that surrounded Uh, The Israelites thought that Jehovah at first was a small deity with a small nation. Uh, Far from it. The God of the Bible said this, Exodus chapter 20, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, and you should not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. That's the God they serve. Number five, and I'm done. Worship is a posture. It's a posture. Verse six, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. It's the posture of the heart. Worship is the posture of your soul. The Bible talks about bowing down. I would pray that we get returning to some praying on our knees. I understand, listen to me, I understand if health prevents you from, do, from doing that. God knows that. But folks, a busy schedule is not a reason not to pray. Whatever's going on in your calendar is no reason to think that you can do it on your own better than God can do it through you. So he says, come, let us kneel before the Lord. Let us bow down. It's a posture. It's a picture of humility. And we as the sheep of his pasture, it's a picture of relationship. And I'm glad today that we don't worship a God who's way out there and we wonder how we're going to get to him. But he said, I'll come to you in a form that you understand, and it'll be a baby. And I'll live a perfect life that no man can live, and willingly lay my life down on the cross so that you can be forgiven. That's who we worship today. And his name is Jesus. Folks, when we come together to worship, let's don't just fire a shotgun load and hope it lands Let's shoot an arrow right to the target that will please the Lord. And in pleasing the Lord, when we leave this place, we can say we have made a decision this morning, and that is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Onward, Christian soldier. Amen? Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today... And maybe, maybe you you say, Brother Greg, you start talking about worship and feeling. It's been a while since I've sensed the Lord speaking to me. How about right where you stand right now? You just ask the Lord to cleanse you. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to revive your heart. Maybe you're here today, and you say, preacher, I'm not really sure I'm saved, but I do sense God speaking in my heart. Then I'm asking you to receive Christ this morning. In the quietness of your heart, call on him. Dear God, I hear you. I'm a sinner, and I believe you came to save and to die for me. I invite you into my heart, Lord. I don't know all the answers, but I know one thing. I need you, and I believe you died for me, and you rose from the grave. Right now, I place my faith in you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. We give an invitation. We don't give an invitation to embarrass you. We give an invitation to give you an opportunity to respond, to be obedient. So on a Tuesday night, April thirteenth, 1976, preacher preached. I made a decision that night that I'm forever grateful for. The preacher preached and gave the invitation and said, if you've asked Christ to come into your heart, I'm asking you tonight to not be ashamed of it. And I took the step, and I'm glad I did. If you prayed that prayer, listen, God bless your heart. He already knows it, but share it. Let us rejoice together. Amen, church? If God's not dealing with your heart this morning, pray for those around you. Maybe he is. Somebody close to you. This is a great song of surrender. Let's sing. If you need to come, we'll receive you this morning. Here we go. Have my Thank you for your attention this morning. And I think that's one part of healthy worship. That when we come together, it's the main thing. He is worthy. Amen? He's worthy. Let me encourage you. I want to thank you for your faithful giving. Uh, Two ways we give one way is on your way out, you'll see the offering boxes there. And also, we have our website, uh, which you see in your bulletin. You can go directly there to giving. And online giving has been a great, blessing for us, so that's an opportunity there. Also, starting tonight in Anaheim, California, is the Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference. It will take place tonight and tomorrow preceding the convention that starts on Tuesday. Around 145, you you all have to help me with this, Pacific. Uh, Keep in mind the convention will be on California time, so we'll be three hours back uh, so tonight, if you want to watch the 6 o'clock message, stay up till night. right? Does that make sense? They'll be on demand, I think, like tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, this Sexual Abuse Task Force presentation and recommendations, I think, are going to take place on Tuesday at 145. So this is a big week. Like I said last week to the church, you're going to hear media coverage, and you're going to hear things, and so you'll say, well, I didn't know that. Uh, you just don't believe everything you hear. If you have a question, you ask me, okay? So we'll praise the Lord for, I believe, uh, a healthy convention in light of difficult circumstances, okay? I'm going to ask Ken if he'll come and close us in prayer. Uh, Ken Tillery faithfully preaches at the Trucker's Christian Chapel up, up north of I-70, and uh, we appreciate him. And, Ken, you close us in prayer, and if you don't care, pray for the convention,
1: okay? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, it is so wonderful to worship corporately, to worship with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, and, Lord, also to have our personal and private time with you. Lord, you are a wonderful God. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. And we thank you so much for loving us. Even, even when we fail you, you still love us. How wonderful that is. Father, we just want to pray for our Southern Baptist Convention, Lord, that, that things would get straightened out, that, that we may return to you the way we should. And Father, forgive those that, that, have, that have sinned against you that, that they would repent and they would turn from the things that they're doing that you would just bless our convention to the point where we can worship you freely and that you would erase the guilty stains. So, Father, as we go from this place, Father, we're going into our mission field. And, Father, when we speak to people, may they see Jesus in us. May they see that we are different than the world. And that people would say, what is it about you that you're so different? And, Father, make us bold to speak for you and to tell the story of what you have done for us. For we love you, Father. These things we ask in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.